Finally, I learned that Janie was working at another club, way out on Green Oaks Road. I had a long talk with Janie after she'd finished the first show. Then I got back into my car and drove to the hotel where Mr. Ode told me he was staying. I found Misto in bed, nursing the biggest shiner I'd ever seen. Oh, you didn't restore my memory. And you almost killed me. Relax, Misto, your memory will come back. And as for that wallop, I didn't know it at the time, but you had it coming. I pulled up a chair, sat down at his bedside. Misto, you told me yourself you're old enough to be Janie Moreland's father. Well, you didn't remember that last night. You mistook her homesickness for love, asked her to marry her. And when she refused, you got nasty about it. She finally slapped you, said she'd tell Damati. Misto's stricken face told me that memory was flooding back. You know you've been slipping. Your kind of act isn't as popular as it used to be. If you got fired for bothering a performer, you'd be washed up. But Janie knew that, too. She's a trooper, so she said nothing. Just walked out on the show. Now, what's the area of Texas? 267,339 square miles. Okay. Your memory block is cured. You owe me $250 and Janie Moreland a formal apology in writing. And that's all there was to finding a missing memory. Like I said, if you search your mind for the things you've forgotten, you'll generally find, if you find it all, that they're the things you're ashamed to remember. Calling all detectives. Most people don't believe in magic. But I once saw a ring that held the power of death over three people. That is the situation on this page for my casebook. The casebook of Jerry Browning, Private Detective. This world is full of a lot of peculiar things. And just because a private detective like me, Jerry Browning, doesn't always understand them... That doesn't mean they can't be understood. The teletype machine in Lieutenant Dawson's office was banging out the news of crime around town. Accidents, fights, and occasional holdup. The kind of police news that's always happening in a big city. Dawson and I weren't watching the teletype. We were sitting there with our feet up on Dawson's desk and talking in the good old days. Then the door opened, and John Woolman walked in. We didn't know his name then. All we knew was, Lieutenant... Arrest me. Lock me up. I'm a murderer. Dawson's feet thudded to the floor. Who'd you kill and why? I killed Valerie Dayton without any reason, even though I never saw the poor girl. Dawson looked at me, winked. I shrugged. Valerie Dayton was the madcap daughter of Tom Dayton, the oil millionaire. The man who just confessed to her murder was young, seedy-looking, wild-eyed. The kind of crackpot who couldn't meet Valerie Dayton in a year of Sundays. Dawson grinned at him. Where now? How did you kill Miss Dayton, if you never met her? I can make anybody die by wishing his death on my magic ring. I tried it with Valerie Dayton, and I know she's dead. A crazy story, yeah. Except that the teletype started spelling out the news that Valerie Dayton had just died in an automobile accident. A man claimed to have a ring with which he could wish anybody's death. And then proved it when a society girl was killed in an automobile accident. 
I knew she'd die. My ring made her die. Lock me up. I'm a murderer. I thought Dawson would have a stroke. Listen, you. Now, look. It's a coincidence. Miss Dayton's car blew a tire. She went off the road. You couldn't have anything to do with that. Go on home. Forget about it. That's when I talked up. Before you go, better leave your name and address. Just in case there are any more funny coincidences. Woolman left after identifying himself. By then, Dawson was his old, unruffled self again. Jerry, I think that guy had you half convinced. About his magic ring, Dawson? Not half convinced. Say, ten percent. The next morning, I read the accounts of Valerie Dayton's death in the papers. It was an accident, all right. A garage man had objected to her taking the car out, warned her that the right front tire needed changing. She didn't listen and won her last headline. I spent most of the day out on a case. In the afternoon, I checked with the message-taking service, learned that I'd had an urgent call from Police Lieutenant Dawson. Come to headquarters immediately. Jerry, that woman guy is back. He says he's going to prove he's a murderer because he's willed the death of J.N. Cars. Jack Cars was the richest man in town, owned a shipping line, a dozen other businesses, and was prominent in the town and country set. Have you uh, checked on Cars? Is he alive? Certainly I checked. Certainly he's alive. And why get excited, Dawson? And where's Woolman? Dawson turned purple. I locked him up. Jerry, he's either the world's most dangerous killer or completely insane. <laughs> oh, Dawson. Now you sound as though you believe Woolman. Me? I still believe it only 10%. You know the story as well as I do. The death of Jack Cars caused a worldwide slump in shipping stocks. Just in case you've forgotten, Cars had a heart attack fell from his 17th floor penthouse. Dawson didn't trust himself to leave his office, so I went on down to the cell block. Woolman got up as a guard and I entered. I noticed another man stretched out in one of the bunks, asleep. Woolman followed my glance. That poor guy doubted the power of my ring, so I proved it to him by willing his death. He'll die, of course. I gritted my teeth. Come on, Woolman, you want it upstairs? Woolman nodded, held out his hand. I suppose you want my ring? To me, it was just a cheap gold ring with a gold snake and a tiny agate eye. And I still only believed Woolman 10%. No, I don't want the ring, but maybe Lieutenant Dawson does. Come on. Through two hours of grilling, Woolman looked terrified but stuck to his story. His ring was magic. Okay. Where'd you get the ring? It was given to me by a very old man I met one night in Washington Park. The guard from downstairs walked over to Dawson and whispered in his ear. I didn't have to hear his words. I knew what he was saying. That the prisoner who'd been locked up with Woolman was dead. No matter how fantastic a story any man tells, I never figure he's a hundred percent liar. Nobody is. There's always about ten percent of truth in the wildest story. And that 10% is what I was looking for at the garage where Valerie Dayton, the dead society girl, had kept her car. Woman? No, I don't know anybody by that name. What's the guy look like? About 5'9", black hair, brown eyes, thin mouth, walks a bit stooped. Well, sure, you mean Eddie Moyne. He waked here after last week when I fired him. Didn't like the company he kept. Mugs hanging around all the time. Thanks. That's what I wanted to know. 
at the police lab. The uh, guy in the cell with Woolman was Joey Scully. Held on suspicion of murder. Candy store holdup. Uh-huh. And what did Scully die of? Poison. Can't understand how he got the stuff. Maybe you can't, Doctor, but I've got a mighty good idea. Yeah? Woolman was still in jail, protesting that the police had no reason to hold him. All of a sudden, he wasn't so anxious to brand himself a killer. I faced him for the last time in Dawson's office. It was kind of a tough break, Woolman, when Jack Carr's died. You never really thought he would. You just wanted to get locked up with your pal Scully long enough to poison him. Make sure he wouldn't implicate you in that candy store holdup. You thought that when we found Mr. Carr's didn't die as predicted, you'd be released and well on your way out of town before Scully's death was discovered. It was your tough luck that Carr's died and you were kept in jail because Dawson really believed your story of the magic ring. Yeah, he broke down. Finally. He knew Valerie Dayton drove fast, knew the tire on her car was weak because he'd sneaked in and frayed it. He gambled that she'd be killed and won. Then gambled that cars wouldn't die and lost. Like I said, there's generally a little truth in the wildest lie and a little lie in the most sober truth. <laughs> 